We'll get to today's show in just a moment, but I need to start the episode by offering my thoughts and prayers to the University of North Carolina, who lost a faculty member yesterday to an act of senseless gun violence, and as well to the community of Chapel Hill and those whose lives are forever changed because of the time they spent yesterday afternoon locked in a classroom or dorm room or office, wondering if they were perhaps breathing their last breaths. To all of you, may peace reign in your lives and may God grant you his comfort. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Isaac Shade. Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us on our five days a week show to get your fix of college basketball for the first thing you do every single morning. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Coming up on today's show, (laughs) we've got a young man who is yet to play a second of college basketball about to go to his third school. And uh, the ACC just won't quit trying to expand, and they just can't. But maybe it's getting closer. We'll get there. But first, I want to give an update on Bronny James. We were able to hear on Monday from USC head coach Andy Enfield about where things are at. Late last week, we actually heard from the James family. And so starting to get a little more news. And, and it, I mean, it sounds like it's good news. Things are progressing Obviously, anything that's heart-related like this, like what happened with Bronny James, has to be taken slowly and methodically and completely carefully. Um, some of the some of the phrases that Coach Enfield used in, in in an ESPN report on Monday were quote that Bronny is doing well, that Bronny is attending classes. His longer quote was, "The good thing is he's doing extremely well, and he's in class right now, and we all love him." I think everyone is ho- everybody is hopeful that Bronny will return to the court. We just have to be patient and take it step by step. And I think that's well said. You don't want to commit to any return to the court because there there is no 100% guarantee that that's going to be able to happen. Uh, you know, I think I think of Keontae Johnson and everything he went through at Florida. I mean, I, I legitimately didn't think we would ever see him play any basketball especially at the level he did again and and what a miracle i'll call it that he was able to play at at uh kansas state last year and have such a special year with jerome tang in his first year and uh, just um and really making that go along with marquise noel i mean just that special special run um but but it's that kind of thing where yes we we all want to hope that Bronny will return to the court uh, but I just, there's so much wisdom in this patience to just, to just take it slow uh, because I, I know people will say, Hey, athletes health is what we have to prioritize. No, legitimately it is there. There is no amount of basketball played that is worth the risk of anyone's life from a, from a health standpoint, right? I know anything you do in life, you're putting your life at risk, but you know what I mean? Like if there is a, a real imminent, potential danger to your life, you should not be playing basketball. You should be spending time with your family, engage in basketball in some other way if it's what you love, 
but but you just got to be careful. So um, additionally, in you know, we heard from Coach Enfield on Monday in these reports. Over the weekend, we heard from the James family that it was in fact a congenital heart defect that caused Bronny's cardiac arrest. The great news is that it appears that this defect is treatable and something that that Bronny and, and medical professionals and others can work on to make better. Excuse me. So the James family, it sounds like, is, is confident that Bronny will make a full recovery and that he will be ready to go in the near future. Now, again, what does near future mean? If if we're talking you know, the rest of your life, then near future could be five years from now. If we're talking your collegiate life, then near future could be this year, this academic year, this basketball season. But again, slow and steady wins the race. There is no other approach. This is how you have to do it. Um, again, exactly when he returns is infinitely of less importance than Bronny's health and well being another quote from Enfield. He says, our goal is to support Bronny in any way we can academically, athletically, and be patient with how things develop in his return. Now, what's interesting about this, you know, if, if you've been a, a longtime listener of our show, you know, um, we, we've talked about Bronny James because it's LeBron's son. I mean, right? Like it just makes sense. We've been critical of him and, and the way people have talked about him. He has risen really well as a basketball player since then. It's been neat to watch as somebody that just loves seeing kids develop. Um, but that said, from a purely basketball standpoint, even Bronny-less, USC, the Trojans should be in really good shape in their last season in the Pac-12, what might be the last season of the Pac-12, period. Um, you know, I, I think that US, I mean, USC and Arizona, for me, are just right there at the top of things. Andy and I talked about that on Monday show, that it's those two and probably right behind them, UCLA and Colorado. Uh, but um, th that's the nice thing. I mean, you got Boogie Ellis back, you get in the number one freshman in the nation who was a great guard. Um, and so you, you hope for a steady and full Keontae Johnson-like return to college basketball. Except for, for Bronny, it wouldn't be a return. Uh, it would be a stepping onto the court for the first time. Um, so obviously, as things continue to go, we're going to keep tabs on this. We're going to talk about it. Um, again, it's LeBron's son. USC should be good, but you know, so there, there's all these reasons that it will stay in our conversations, uh, but but we have to continue to put Bronny's health and well-being first and foremost, foremost ahead of everything else. Again, a very healthy reminder of where basketball sits in in relative importance to who we are as human beings. And you know, the the North Carolina stuff I talked about off the top of the show is another reminder of that, right? Like these things matter infinitely more than uh, being able to put an orange ball through a round hoop. Well, <laughs> Marcus Adams, uh, another freshman that might play college basketball somewhere this year. He's just hopping around the country and hasn't found a place that he likes quite yet. <laughs> what am I talking about? Oh, believe you me, I'm going to tell you all about it in just a second. But first, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes you're at a fork in the road and, and quite frankly, the right path isn't clear for you. So whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. 
That way you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It's not just for those who are experiencing major life trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, let me encourage you to go ahead and give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege. You everydayers, I want to thank you so much for being with us, making Locked On College your first listen or watch every single day. Got a great week of shows coming up with you. Andy will be with you tomorrow and Thursday, and then I'll join you to wrap up the week on Friday. <laughs> All right. From one freshman who might be off the court for medical reasons to another one who might be off the court for reasons of the making of his own uh, self-destructive design. How about this wildness? Marcus Adams Jr., might be having to apply for a waiver to play college basketball before he ever plays college basketball. Why? Well, he's going to be on his third ever school at some point, it seems like. And uh, beyond that, he entered the transfer pool, transfer portal after the transfer portal closed. Now, that doesn't mean you can't enter it. It just means you're not automatically eligible to play right away. So Marcus Adams... (laughs) All right, homie, here we go. So here, here, let me give you this timeline. March 7th, Marcus Adams commits to Kansas for the 2024 class, eventually reclassed to 23. He signed on April 18th at Kansas, enrolled June 12th. Important because that makes it school number one. And then on July 18th, he entered the transfer portal. Remember, the transfer portal closed in like early, mid-May. So he's a, like two months late on on that bad boy and then uh transferred to gonzaga on july 22nd Uh, it's signed with gonzaga on july 31st but he's not yet enrolled in the school so technically he's still in the transfer portal according to the reporting of joe tipton and what he says about this from the guy from on three so i don't know it it seems to me From the outside looking into this thing, I have not said the first word boo to Marcus Adams Jr. or his family, but it seems like, you know, it's one of those things like if if you keep losing jobs or friends keep losing you, at some point you got to look in the mirror and say, what's the common denominator, right? Like at some point, Marcus Adams, you got to pick a place and stick with it, buddy. Um, I'm just throwing this idea out here, take it or leave it. If I'm out here looking for playing time and I'm not happy with my situation, maybe I'm not going to a perennial powerhouse that already has lots of personnel, like a Kansas, like a Gonzaga, right? Maybe go somewhere that needs a little more help and play there and raise your profile. Or have hear me out, and, and heaven forbid we do this in the transfer portal era, you bide your time for a year. You lean into the system. You learn it, you get to know the staff, the other players, the college, and you wait your turn and you go knock it out of the park in year two. Now, if you're like a tip top of the iceberg elite athlete, elite basketball player that's going to clearly undoubtedly be drafted, knock your socks off. Go find one of these places 
and play your way into the starting lineup. But to me, this screams that he would not have done that at Kansas, which I probably could have told you. He didn't need Bill Self to tell him that, nor would he have done it at Gonzaga. And it seems like that might be why he's leaving there. So if you really want to play immediately, if that's the thing here, Kansas nor Gonzaga is the place for you, Marcus Adams Jr. So, man, I just... It's all part of the system of what's going on right now, right? Like, and and it's good. I love the player autonomy that we have, but but this is a an offshoot of it. We're gonna have things like this that happen when you know student athletes for one reason or another either aren't getting good advice or you know aren't level headed enough quite yet to make the decision, which I would not have been at 17, 18 years old, right? Um, and and that's just that's the thing of it. Right. And so I really curious to hear what happens. Well, uh, the, the news that we know right now is there was reporting that um, he is visiting BYU as we speak, like it was a Monday, Tuesday visit. And that's according to Deshaun London, who's a recruiting analyst for two, four, seven. So it's not just some like rando trying to throw this out there on Twitter. No, this is a two, four, seven recruiting analyst. Uh, Mr. London is. And so, that's what it sounds like. And and I would imagine BYU is a place where my man could go, maybe find himself a little more playing time for Mr. Marcus Adams. But is he going to have to get a waiver to play? <clears throat> Either because, you know, the, the transfer portal missing that deadline or, you know, it sounds like with not having fully enrolled at Gonzaga. Um, maybe this isn't treated as his second transfer, that it's just the first because he's still technically in the transfer portal, never left it from a technical standpoint. But one way or another, it sounds like he's going to have to apply for a waiver to be able to play college basketball this year. So do we see something else? Do we see him trying to go overseas or Overtime or something like that where he, he could play. I, dude, I just don't know. I think all of that has to be on the table at this point. But, I mean, it's essentially September. We're a month and, away, month and a half away from practices starting. This dude's got to get stuff figured out. And he would be a coveted piece, right? 6'8", small forward. He could shoot. But if I'm a coach looking at this and I'm like, homie, you went to Kansas. Didn't like the landscape of what you saw there. So you left, went into the transfer portal when it wasn't open, meaning unless you got a waiver for Gonzaga, you were going to have to sit there as well. But then you go to Gonzaga. Things don't work out there for one reason or another. And now you're looking for school number three. If I'm a coach, I got all sorts of red flags and sirens and alarms going off as I see that. I don't, I'm going to need some serious vetting before I'm willing to let you come be part of my program. So we're going to see what is next for Mr. Marcus Adams. Well, also, we're still trying to figure out what is next for the ACC. This on again, off again, He will he, won't he, does he love me, he loves me not, with the uh, remaining Bay Area Pac-12 schools, Stanford and Cal, along with SMU. But it sounds like 
the love affair might be heating back up again, and maybe we're going to get an on-again side of this relationship. So we're going to have to talk about that, which we'll do in just a second, right after I tell you that today's episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Folks, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet just $5, but then get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's a great deal, man. You should get after that. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be on everything. From spreads, player props, more. You check it out. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer that you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, ACC expansion. How many times has this thing stopped and started? Well, it's starting up again. Apparently, there was more conversation that happened this weekend that moved things in the right direction. Commissioner Jim Phillips has been trying to meet with the schools that have been voting no. So just to catch you up, if, if you either forget or, or haven't been part of these conversations, of the 15 ACC schools, yes, Notre Dame is counted in this conversation because they are they play ACC in everything but football. 12 of the 15 have to vote yes in order to move forward with Stanford, Cal, and SMU. As to this point, there have only been 11 yeses, and then you get four noes. That's Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and NC State. Well, re- continued reporting from people like Pete Thamel from ESPN, Andrea Adelson from ESPN, uh, Ross Dellinger from Yahoo. Um, this, from what I'm reading and seeing and talking to folks, this is the most serious it's been of any of these conversations. I've never really thought the trigger was going to get pulled. I think it might now. I think this might happen. Now, you might be aware that initially a meeting of the ACC presidents was scheduled to take place last night, Monday night. Um, But as news broke of the things going on at the University of North Carolina, that meeting was understandably postponed. And at the time I'm recording this for you all, a new date and time has yet to be determined or at least announced. Obviously understandable given the circumstances. And when you think about it, North Carolina is one of those no's. And so they have to be part of these conversations. Um, but in, in an article on Monday, Pete Thamel said that this whole thing is, quote, trending in the direction of happening. So here's what that says to me, folks. To this point, those four no's have been hard, staunch no's. This says to me that there is either someone has assurances that one of those four schools is flipping or that they're leaning towards flipping and might just need the cajoling of some other conference presidents or, you know, whatever it may be. Because to me, there's no other reason to fire this back up right now otherwise. Why? Because the window for inclusion in the 24-25 academic year has already come and gone. That was mid-August. We're in late August now. We're at the end of August. And so I would imagine that means then the earliest date, unless something gets messed around, would be the 25-26 academic year for adding these three schools in. So that that's kind of how I'm reading between the lines right now is if it's trending in the right direction, if they're talking about getting together again, 
then that means one of these schools, they have a pretty good feeling is going to say yes. But here's the weird thing in Thamel's article. He says, the problem is nobody seems to know who that school is that, that is leaning that way. I, there's a couple things with it. Number one, NC state is from everything I'm hearing and being told is kind of hitching their wagon to North Carolina. And so it could be both of those schools. It could be just Clemson. It could be just Florida state. We're going to have to wait and find out what's going on with that. But here's another part of it. ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, again, this is according to Thamel's reporting, really, really wants this vote to be unanimous. So spent a lot of time last week talking individually to those four no schools, the the schools that are so far voting no on these uh, expansion additions. He really wants this to be a unanimous vote so that, you know, you can present, hey, we have unanimity. We're a united front. We're moving forward with this thing. And it it, it can really show, um, uh, you know, that we're united um, as one conference. I, I just don't see that happening, right? Like, unless the writing's just on the wall and it's like, well, we might as well. So we're not the only school that's left out, whoever that may be. Um, but here's some things to keep in mind as well. If those three schools join, they're going to have to sign the grant of rights that all the other ACC schools are under in terms of revenue distribution and, and media rights and all that kind of stuff. Um, all three are going to come in with lesser revenue shares. The proposal, at least the most recent one is Stalin, Stal, (laughs) Stalin Canford, (laughs) Stanford and Cal would come in at a, like a 30%. Uh, not 30% reduction, but down to 30% of what the other schools are getting. Meanwhile, SMU saying, hey, we'll come in at 0% of that revenue share, whatever it is. So the the reporting from Dellinger is that that's going to net, once you take some things out, about $55 million extra to be dispersed to the existing ACC schools. Now, in what, what exactly that's going to be and look like, yeah, that's another conversation entirely. Here's the question I want to pose for the ACC. Is it worth the short-term win of adding more money in an effort to work at catching up with the Big Ten and the SEC? Uh, um, the short-term win of adding these three schools, whoever they are, right? And I know, I know getting the Dallas media market's great. I know getting the Bay Area is great. Um, the, the academics of those schools, the, the athletic prestige, particularly of Stanford, great. Do those things move the needle enough, not just now in the short term, but in the long term as well to make this worth it. Are you willing to exchange short term, catching a little bit closer up to the SEC and the Big Ten for the long term of having these three schools in your conference? If the answer is yes, go bananas. Knock yourself out. Go ahead and add them. Why not? But if the answer is no, if if that if adding those things is not worth the travel, and I mean that both in terms, most importantly, of the wear and tear on the students. I mean, goodness gracious, think of what these Cal and Stanford students would have to go through, particularly, because they're going to have to come over a ton. Uh, but also the travel costs of, of that extra travel. Um, the just, just all these potential, like, eh, I don't know, that's a head scratcher to me, right? If the answer is no, then this is a fruitless move and you should not do it. So that's, to me, what you really got to weigh out here is the short-term gain 
and win of sustainability financially and from a membership status right now. Important enough that it's worth whatever that means for us in the long term. I don't know. So again, according to Dellinger's reporting, in in this presented model, bringing these schools in would add 55 million-ish annually for the ACC to share via an incentive pool, which would be heavily based not on our sport, not on basketball, but on football success incentives for the schools of the ACC. So that is an interesting uh, part of it too, is that it's the concern is not us, folks. It's the pigskin. Another question I continue to ask is this. Okay, if that 24-25 deadline has already come and gone, why, why do we keep worrying about this right now? Why the urgency? Well, talking about football, think about this. Dellinger said this on Twitter, quote, there is some urgency here. The ACC has been exploring this three-team expansion for three weeks now, and CFP commissioners meet Wednesday in Dallas to likely discuss alterations to expansion format and revenue model, end quote. So again, this is all about football. The, the desire to get this moving quickly is to help get ready for whatever might be coming from college football playoff expansion. Remember, they've already gone to 12 teams, but they're going to reevaluate all this. Do we keep it at 12 teams? Do we change our model? Right now it's six power conference schools, <clears throat> or champions, excuse me, not six power conference schools the six highest rated conference champions, five of which with the PAC 12 are going to be the power conference schools. And that guarantees one group of five conference champion winner. Cause you only got 10 FBS conferences and then the six next highest ranked schools. Instead, they're looking at maybe we switch that to five and seven where you just drop off the PAC 12 and you have seven at larges, or there's even if we just have the 12 best, that's not going to happen. I'm telling you that right now, the group of five commissioners just won't let it happen. But this is a basketball podcast. I just want you to be aware of, of all that that's going on with how college football playoff is influencing all these decisions and why it kind of speeds up this timeline for this week. Now, that's interesting. Again, given what happened at North Carolina and the fact that these presidents aren't meeting yet, are they still going to try to get a meeting in and getting any decisions made and done and signed and whatever else they got to do before these college football playoff meetings on Wednesday. We'll have to wait and see what happens the rest of the day, Tuesday, as you're listening to or watching this, and on Wednesday ahead of those meetings. End of the day, I'm not convinced it's worth it for the ACC to add these teams. Um, I mean, in, in this era where everyone's trying to go buy coastal with it and get big, still get big media markets, whatever, cool, knock yourself out. I still think it'd be better for the ACC to get a really, really good basketball team. Um, because do any of these teams move the needle football-wise? I don't think so. So you might as well go get a UConn, right? That That's going to continue to be my push. But it would get you to 18 teams, and that ties you with the Big Ten for the most teams in a conference. So... I don't know, man. It's wild. It's wacky. We'll have to keep watching it, see what happens. Probably more to come on this this week. Once again, folks, thanks so much for checking out Locked On College Basketball today. It's been great to be together. If you would, go leave us a review on iTunes and anywhere else you can leave reviews. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnCBB. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Oh, please make sure to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave comments on the show. 
going to forsake my usual sign-offs of <laughs> Lawyer Family and Wildcats. And just once again, our, our thoughts continue to be with the University of North Carolina, that campus and that community. Um, man, everything, all sorts of stuff coming in. I, I was watching kind of a bunch of uh, North Carolina basketball players accounts on Twitter on, on Monday afternoon and, and lots of stuff coming in there. Uh, a, a tragedy no one should have to endure. We'll talk again on Wednesday, but until then, peace out.